Cultivate Simple, Episode 60, The Seeds of Change. I'd rather be a farmer I'd rather work the land I'd rather see the mountain sides I'd rather see your hand I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend Welcome to Cultivate Simple, an honest and unrehearsed discussion about trying to live a more simple life. And this is kind of a, it's another one of those numbers, 60, episode 60. That sounds like a big number. Yeah, it does. It is. It's maybe it's almost AARP. It's almost, yeah, I was just going to say it. We're almost into <laughs> retirement age. Um, this is episode 60, and today we're going to be talking about uh, the seeds of change. Because I couldn't come up with a better title. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about ordering seeds because it's that time of the year to start thinking about mm-hmm. summer gardens, which sounds ridiculous since uh, we keep fighting through winter storm after winter storm uh, up here in yeah. the Northeast. Um, in fact, we just, the next few days of weather are going to be really weird. I know that the Midwest is experiencing it as well, but we have, we actually had a, a fun day today. Um, this yeah, weekend, it was a nice day. This weekend, we've we got some more snow, and then we got just bone chilling cold. We were down um, temperatures close to negative twenty, uh, wind chills close to negative forty, uh, just really, really super cold. Um, yeah, crazy cold to the point where we also got snow during that, which is odd. Um, but it was a light, fluffy snow. But then I couldn't get. Uh, our plow truck or our tractor started because it was so cold. Mm-hmm. And so therefore that, you know, put, it was a whole, well, <laughs> it's kind of funny because I, we had to get milk and, um, and I had to get fuel for the plow truck. And so I took one of the cars down to the bottom of the driveway, um, the mini, which has, uh, snow tires on it. So I thought we'd be all right in our driveway. I don't know if we've ever described it. But um, look at the pictures. If you're on Facebook and your your friends, I'll probably post this on the blog later yeah. this week. So yeah, they'll be about sledding pictures. So look on the blog later this week for them. If you're not friends with us on Facebook, but we we went out sledding today after I got the driveway plowed, and our driveway is a third of a mile long. Um, it's all uphill, and it has four uh, ninety degree corners in it. So it's uh, a challenge. When it is plowed, it's a challenge when in the summer, when it's dry. Um, I think that one corner is probably like a 60 degree corner. Yeah, maybe a little less. But there's one that's pretty tight too. So anyway, it's um, it's it's a challenging driveway. And once it's plowed, it's not too bad. But we did have an ice storm that we talked about last week. And so underneath the a quarter inch or so of snow that the plow doesn't get is a half inch of ice. Um, So yeah, it was, uh, I took the mini down, took it out to get fuel and to get, um, did something else, went to the post office or something and then got home and could not make it back up the driveway with the snow on there because we couldn't get the plow truck or the tractor started. So I decided to take our other car down, which we have, um, 
chains for the tires and it wouldn't even make it up. So then we had two cars stuck at the bottom of the driveway, the fuel that I needed at the bottom of the driveway that I needed at the top. And, uh, and we needed to, to, you know, go out and get milk and because, of course, what do you do during a winter storm? You get milk. Um, <laughs> it's, I don't know. Joke. We're actually supposed to get it. No, that was the day we're supposed to get milk, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I took a little runner or a rail sled down to the bottom of the driveway and and a, to- a uh, ratchet strap and ratcheted a five-gallon uh, gas can onto the, the sled and hoofed it up the hill. Um, still couldn't get the truck started. So waited until the next day when it got uh, above zero, barely, and uh, was able to get the tractor started. So I plowed the the top part of the driveway. And then finally, after a lot of monkeying around, I got the the truck started, plowed out everything. So today we had a a fun day. We had 20 degree weather, which we were, I mean, it felt balmy almost. Yeah, we were both outside with just a sweatshirt and no gloves. And And we were still sweating. Um, Yeah. And we decided to, since our driveway is like a luge track, we decided to turn it into one. So we got out the sleds and made a few runs down. And the only bad thing about a driveway that long and a you know a a, a sledding track that long is you have to walk all the way back yeah. up. So didn't uh, John and Wendy say though that Wendy would the kids would drive the ride the sleds down and she would pick them up in the car yeah, and bring them yeah. back up and drive back down and then yeah. they would ride down and shit. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of funny. Yeah, and I was, Matt and BJ actually came up on their snowmobiles and, and because I had told BJ that we were going to go out and, and sled down the driveway. And so, first of all, they came up just to see us do it. But second of all, they're like, well, we could haul you back up the hill on the snowmobiles. But uh, I had to go curling. So we had a makeup game today. Mm-hmm. So, but it was it was just a fun day. It was a fun day to get outside and just to it was nice and sunny and. Yeah, I took Tara on a little snowshoe after you left. Through one of the trails, I need yep. to take a hatchet back there and clear out some of the trees that are bent over from the ice. And then tonight we're supposed to get uh, another two inches of snow, another quarter inch of ice, and then tomorrow it's going to rain and be almost fifty degrees. And then the next day, it's going to be 14 degrees. So <laughs> it's just a crazy winter. I mean... And then it looks like it's going to be really nice next week. Yeah. I'm looking forward to next week. Looking forward to just trying to get the, the roads clear up here. Um, with the fire department, we actually had two accidents at the same time yesterday, about a quarter mile from each other. So, yeah, we're just we're ready to... the One of the other firefighters, he... As we were clearing the scene, he just turned to me and said, I'm sick of winter already. So, <laughs> which I'm not. I love winter. I think it's a it's a great season. I love being out in the the cold and, you know, dressing up. And I don't even mind when I get a little chilled and have to come in and sit by the, the hot box and get all warmed up. But, so, I don't mind it. Even though we have six-foot piles of snow outside of our... Yes. Uh, and I have to send my knee-high winter boots back to get the zipper. Mm-hmm. The zipper broke, so I have to send them back. But the problem is... is Which she's been my, delaying for two weeks. I've been delaying because the snow's so deep. So today I wore my other boots, and uh, they're just like your typical hiking boots. And I went out to the compost pile, and of course the snow comes up to my knees, so it didn't do me much good. <laughs> I ended up bringing more snow in the house than... <laughs> I think I took out of compost, so 
Yeah. Maybe for your birthday, I'll get you some gaiters. <laughs> you can put those on. I could probably make some. You just need to get your boots sent off and get yeah, them sent back. Get them back. I've been but, delaying it because of all the weather and the post office has been closed and then there are holidays and that kind of stuff, so... That's one good thing about buying quality boots, though, because yeah. um, you bought those from L.L. Bean, yeah. which is a local Maine company, and they actually make the boots here in Maine. Yep. Um, and yeah, you just you emailed them, right, and mm -hmm. said, hey, the zipper broke on these, and they said, send them back. Yeah. So they stand behind their products. I should know better, though. I should get laces, because you break a lace, you just buy a new lace. You right. know? I was thinking about that as I put on my jacket, because I have a winter jacket, and the zipper's been a little tough to zip up the last two years last year and then this year and i was thinking to myself oh that's so annoying i need to buy only buy coats with buttons from here on out because it's easy to fix a button but fixing a zipper you can't i mean well you can't fix them or take them out and replace them mm -hmm. it's a whole lot more hassle than putting on a new button but you like your boots with the zippers though because they're easy to get i like in them and out because of. they're easy to get in and out of they're super convenient when i'm taking a bunch of different trips outside um but I can see why having a lace up pair for things like snowshoeing or if you're going mm -hmm. to be out for a long time isn't a big deal. But I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot of laces because I have the basically the same pair of boots only with, with yeah. laces. A little bit lower, I think. They're mm -hmm. not as tall. Um, and I think there's like 12 or 14 eyelets. So that's a yeah. lot of... And then I tied off the top of my laces so that they don't come through when you're unlacing them, you know, because I hate that. I hate when you're unlacing something yeah. and it, I even do that on my tennis shoes where I just tie a knot in the, in the top of the, uh, or the end of the lace, I guess you would mm -hmm. say, so that as you're pulling them out, as you're unlacing them and loosening up your shoes, it doesn't pull the end of the lace through. So, but on the boots that doesn't give you, it doesn't, the laces aren't long enough to give you a lot of extra, which mm -hmm. is fine because then, you know, when you tie them. The loops aren't huge and flopping yeah. all over the place, but you have to get it just right or you just cannot get your foot out of that boot. <laughs> so it's kind of a struggle sometimes. These are the things I struggle with. Yeah. My boot laces. Yeah. But I like those boots. If you're looking for a pair of boots, just a general all-purpose uh, sloshing around the the yard and the garden, um, I would definitely recommend the bean boots. Um, yeah. They're really great. I'm actually thinking about getting a pair of... Uh shorter ones that just slip on and off for heading up to the chicken coop and that kind of stuff. And the really nice thing about them too is that you can actually send them back to L.O. Bean mm -hmm. and get them resold. Mm -hmm. um, and repaired. And, and repaired. It's one of the few, yeah. you know, companies that will right. will still do that sort of thing for The knee-high ones that I have are aligned with shearling. And I was reading online and one lady said that she wore out the shearling in her, so she sent them back and they put new shearling on the inside of them. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of nice when you can do that and you're not left or having to buy a new pair of boots. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I like them a lot. And they're, you know, I mean, once you break them in there, you want to keep the boots because they're awesome. Yeah. I hate breaking in a pair of good shoes. Which is why you've been walking around with a broken pair of boots for two weeks. I tie it short <laughs> every snow. now and then with a piece of veiling twine. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a piece by the door, although it's starting to fall apart. That comes in handy to tie it kind of close. So when I go out to the compost pile, if I'm wearing them, because clearly with the zipper not working, I get tons of snow inside. But if I tie it shut with the bailing twine, then it keeps the snow out. <laughs> it works. Uh, I think you'll be surprised. I, with them especially, we should send it off on like a Monday. Like, yeah, I want to. So that I bet they'll turn it around quickly. I bet you'll have them I in no so. time. 
But now I have to wait for a sale from because I waited and waited and waited for these boots to go on sale because they're not cheap boots. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up getting them for a really good price. So now I have to wait to find a coupon or something for another pair of like lower boots. Mm-hmm. I should get a pair of their ones for the garden for summer. The ones that aren't lined in cheerling because that might be a little hot in the summer. Yeah. Well, the wool is generally cooling as well, but I don't know. Maybe so, when I need new garden boots, see what they've got. Um, we also had another discussion this week uh, about when the plow truck didn't work, and I was kind of frustrated at it. And it needs, I think it needs a general tune-up uh, going over redoing. I know that there's a few repairs that need done. It needs a new alternator, um, which I've already purchased and I just need to put in. And I also, I think I talked about that um, last week or two weeks ago uh, on the show. Um, I bought the belts for it as well because mm-hmm. you have to take the belts off. And with the alternator, you have to take both the belts off the the engine in order to get at the alternator. So I figured I'll just buy new belts because replace those. Mm-hmm. Don't have to mess with them. Don't have to worry about them. Um, I noticed this week that um, I think the uh, the gasket in between the carburetor uh, and the engine is gone or is rotted away, not there. So I think that needs replaced. So now I'm thinking about doing a carb kit for it. And I also know that the um, the gas tank is leaking and I'm not sure if it's um, where the hose connects to the gas tank, if that's rusted out or if it's the hose itself. I kind of need to crawl under there and and see. But um, I mean, that the truck that we're talking about is our 1967 (laughs) Jeep. So, you know, so we goes up and down the driveway, plowing the driveway and that's it. And that's basically it. And we'd like to license it as a farm truck, not necessarily as a farm truck, because that comes along with certain restrictions, but we'd like to license it to use it as a farm truck right. so that we can go pick up stuff. And, and it is, it's very, very, very convenient to have a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that debate. And, and we've talked about this on the show before about um, obviously being smart with your money, but not, uh, how, how do I want to say that? Not, like not wasting money, not yeah. putting good money after bad. Um mm-hmm. So part of our discussion this week, and the reason I want to share it on the show is because I think that, you know, everybody can sort of benefit from listening to our discussions sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and maybe weigh in because it depends I... depends on if it's that conversation or the ones about whether aliens or zombies are more likely to actually ever occur. We also had that conversation this week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 we have a plan for both. Um <laughs> See, I don't think aliens are as likely as zombies. No, I don't think so either. Zombies are definitely likely, and I have a plan for them. (laughs) Treadmills all around the house. (laughs) Treadmills all around the house. They will actually power our house that way. Yeah. Um, No, that's not what we're talking about. The the truck. truck. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And this is usually how our conversations go. Um, So we were were discussing, you know, how much money should we put into the truck? Because it is a 1967 pickup truck um and the good thing is because it's a jeep it's kind of uh not really a collector's item but it's sought after mm-hmm. um even when we post pictures of it on facebook i mean we have two or three offers usually yeah. of people that like to buy it so i know i could probably sell it for you know a decent amount of money even to the point where i could probably sell it enough 
uh, sell it for enough to buy a, uh, a plow for the front of the tractor. So the debate then becomes, do you know we use it enough, uh, or would we use it enough for things other than what we use the tractor for, such as going out and picking up things with it. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we can't take the tractor 10 miles away or something like that. Um, or do we put the money into it to keep it running? Um, because plowing our driveway is definitely, we, we need some sort of a solution because our driveway is so long and such a challenge that um, even we had it gridded, uh, which yeah. is a, a sand uh, salt mix that they put onto the um, the driveway or mm-hmm. the top of the ice as it was for us. And that's why we had it gridded. Um, and that cost us how much? $80. Yeah, $80 to do our driveway. So we're pretty sure to plow it. And we could actually ask the guy that gridded it for mm-hmm. us to ask how much he'd charge us to plow. But I'm guessing it's going to be around $100 every time. Mm-hmm. Um, this year already... I've plowed it four different times uh, or four different storms and Mm -hmm. I've plowed it usually multiple times during those storms. So probably six or seven times. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously putting, you know, that amount of money and that's one year. um, So putting that amount of money into the truck makes sense because then we have a plow truck. We also have a truck that can haul our firewood from, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the various places that we cut it up to the back door so that we can put it in the basement. Um, it has multiple uses, but at what point do you cut that off? Mm-hmm. At what point is is it not a good decision to put money into that? Um, so, and the, the truth is, it's a gamble. Yeah. One way or the other. Um, in some way, you know, I do want to keep the truck running because... It's great for those tasks, but in another way, it's difficult to, because with cars, you know, once our cars get past a certain point, you just hate to put money into them because you Mm -hmm. know something else is going to break and you know at some point it's just going to crap out. But especially with older vehicles, I mean... that's because you don't want to go somewhere and be left stranded. Right. Which isn't really a concern with the truck, you know. But with older vehicles, too, I definitely, I mean, they definitely made them more sturdy. Yeah. I mean, the, more to be fixed and to yeah. keep fixing them to run. And there's longer. a lot less junk, a lot less crap yeah. on the truck as far as there's, I mean, there's no electronics. Um, it would survive an EMP, which we're pretty excited about because, <laughs> you know, that's going to happen right before the zombies come. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's there's just not much to it. And so at some point, you know, unless it's something major that happens, you know, you fixed all of the sort of wearables on it mm-hmm. um, and you're going to have, you know, a truck that's going to last a long time. So I don't know. I want to ask your opinion, dear listener. What do you think? Uh, should I continue to fix the truck? Especially some of you guys I know, um, I know like Nebraska Dave, uh, you know, and, and different people like that. Oh, and by the way, get well, Nebraska Dave. That's right. He had appendicitis this week. Uh, so I told him at least it was good timing in yeah, the winter. It would yeah, have been definitely. terrible to have in like May or when he needs to plant all his seedlings yeah. out. So good timing. You can sit back and rest up and order his seeds and... Yeah. So people like, well you done. know, I'm anybody that has 
experience with fixing uh, vehicles and, and those types of things. I mean, what's kind of what's good sound advice on what's a what's a cutoff point? Um, yeah, that's been one of the <laughs> internal debates this week. So, yeah. So that brings us to what's for dinner. Yeah, what did we have for dinner? What did we have for dinner? We had fried yuca, ah. which we had to go to the grocery store earlier this week to get some. I needed some vinegar. The real grocery store. The the real, like a grocery store, yeah. I needed some gallons of white vinegar, and so we stopped in there to get some. And because I've been putting all my citrus peels in it from all the citrus that I ordered, um, and then it makes citrus vinegar. Tip, handy tip, um, so it doesn't <laughs> smell quite as nasty as white vinegar. Um, yeah, so when we were there, they had yuca. So I got some yuca being from South America. I love yuca. And then I got some plantains, too, and I'm waiting for those to get really ripe, and then I'll fry those up. But So we had yuca, fried yuca, um, and then we had open-faced venison burgers smothered in caramelized onions and some local artisan cheese and and then we had some of my fermented pickles as well on the side with yuca what is is frying the typical way to prepare that um actually the typical way is they kind of boil it in chicken stock with some um um turmeric and then some other kind of spices, but often turmeric to make it yellow. And often chicken stock, and they just boil it until it's kind of soft, cooked through and a little soft. And then they that's really the traditional way that they serve it. Frying it has kind of become a more... More modern. Modern kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, you would get it fried a little bit occasionally, but they eat it a lot. Of, it's kind of their potato uh, in Colombia. That's what they use it for. Um, definitely use it a lot in soups and stews to thicken it. And, um, they, they make all kinds of stuff out of it. It's just a starch, you know? So, yeah, it's delicious though. I like it a lot. It's good to have every now and then. I was going to make potatoes or sweet potato fries for supper. And then I thought, oh yeah, I've got that yuca. So I cut it up into big, not huge wedges, but like big what do they call those, like steak fries kind of mm-hmm. sized mm-hmm. potatoes. I cut them up into pieces kind of like that and then fry them in some coconut oil or tonight I used a mixed mix of coconut oil and lard. It was delicious. If you're ever in Colombia, South America, I would highly recommend eating at Coco Rico. Yes. Uh, they and have the, rotisserie chicken and the yuca fries. and, and uh, um, Salted potatoes. Yeah. Just good, good stuff all around. And if you're ever in Florida, I don't know if they have them anywhere else, but oh, Pollo yeah. Tropical is uh, have yuca fries a there close too, second. Yeah. Yep. Or they used to. Yeah. Last time we were Last there. Last time we were there, which was 10, 10 years, years ago. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, try some yuca. When they, they, there's a lot of, it seems like that's kind of something that most grocery stores carry, mm-hmm. um, strangely enough. So grab a yuca and slice it's it up and crazy fry looking. it and... Yeah, it's different. It's kind of potatoey, but peel it, yeah. uh, different. Yep. So and that brings us on to the support section of the show, and lots of thanks to send out tonight. Um, 
thank you to Misty. Uh, she made a $25 one-time donation, which was great. Um, of course, thank you and to... You oh, can find Misty's been a blog reader for a long time. Oh, yeah. She actually hiked the Appalachian Trail with her husband. And you oh, can find okay. pictures. Um, she's got wildscapephoto.com, which is her like photography website. And she has all kinds of... And she's on Flickr, too, which you can get on there and see pictures of her hiking the trail. I watched along as they were hiking... Um, Way back when, I forget how many years that was ago, three years maybe? Yeah, I think so. I can't remember, but yeah, she won some seeds in one of my giveaways a long time ago. Um, and of course, thank you to all of our monthly donors. Um, mm-hmm. Huge help there. We just really, really appreciate that. Um, and a big thanks goes out to Samantha. Um, she gave us a $100 donation, which was... Uh, a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you, Samantha. We didn't get a note from her, but... Um, at least I didn't check mine. At least I haven't either. So if we did get one from you, Samantha, then send yeah. it again. <laughs> you can yeah. send it to show uh, at cultivatesimple.com if you'd like, um, because I check that before the, the podcast every week. Um, so thanks to Samantha. Thanks to Misty and to all of our monthly donors. And then from that crazy place that we love to hate California (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Melanie that we've talked about before um, on the show and she comments a lot on the blog Um, we I finally made it into the post office after like a week and a half and (laughs) lo and behold there was a package waiting for us and um, and it was from Melanie and she uh, our our wonderful imaginary friend on the interwebs um, and so she sent us a nice note um, with a with a gift. And so we're going to read. It was a really long note, which mm-hmm. we appreciated. Um, mm-hmm. Susie and I both read it, and um, and it just really meant a lot. So Susie's going to read just a couple uh, small chunks out of it. She said, "Dear Susie and Brian, Happy New Year to my imagine- imaginary friends on the interwebs. This gift this gift comes to you in the context of value for value." Your blog and podcast have greatly enriched my life and I contribute when I can, but at this time of year, money is really tight until we get paid for last year's crop. So I decided to give back now in a way that I hope resonates with you, with your exception, with the exception of the pomegranate jelly. Everything was grown and processed right here on our farm. I picked, hulled, and shelled the pecans, walnuts, and almonds from the trees I see from my kitchen window. The persimmons and Asian pears grew pesticide-free in our little orchard, and I air-dried them without sulfur. My thumbs were black from the hulls and raw from shelling, but I surveyed my harvest with great satisfaction. I just had to share. And then she goes on and explains um, a few other things, and then she said through... um, she talks about different things that she's been able to incorporate in her life and some good advice that she's books she's gotten from us or that we've talked about, et cetera, et cetera. And then she says through your personal example and candid sharing, you encourage and inspire. And I appreciate so much the effort and resources you put into the blog and the podcasts. I don't comment very often, but I check in every day and happily anticipate Monday mornings for the new podcasts, most of which I listen to multiple times and take notes in a notebook dedicated to ideas and living about living more simply and naturally. And every time I see those <laughs> gosh awful Driscoll strawberries in the markets, I think of you and remember my passionate but somewhat misguided missive. And if you remember, she was one a long time ago. A long time ago. Uh, back in the way beginning of the podcast. If you haven't listened to back then, you can go back and listen through and you'll hear all about that. 
She said, do I sound like a geek? Yeah, probably. I spent many decades in Silicon Valley, immersed in a whole different kind of geekery. When we semi-retired and bought a little farm from Chris's folks, we were really clear on how we didn't want to live anymore, but not very clear on how we did want to live. Thanks to the both of you, we are finding our way to a more simple, natural, and healthy way of living. On occasion, I regret that we didn't do this many years sooner, but I am glad to have your youth and energy and experiences on which to draw. I've come a long way in six years, and you've been an integral part of that journey. Thank you so much for walking the talk and leading the way. Wishing you a peaceful and prosperous 2014. So thank you very much. Yeah. These, I'm, I'm chewing on a pear as, <laughs> as Susie is reading that, and it's delicious. I went in and grabbed the, yes. the pears, and so we have They're them here. Delicious. So. so sorry about the chewing sounds now. Um, so, yeah, that was great. Thank you so much uh, for the gift and for, like we said, for everybody that gives to the podcast, um, whether you give uh, money, whether you tell other people about it. I mean, that's a huge thing too. Mm -hmm. Um, Spreading the word, getting more people uh, onto the blog and to the podcast. That means a lot. Um, So thank you. Yeah. And I have to tell Melanie thanks too from Dexter because Dexter loves the box that you packed that gift in. And he... (laughs) camped out in it it was sitting over by our christmas tree and he camped out in it when i moved to the out by the wood burner farm and he was sleeping in it once again he tried to stuff his large body down inside the small box (laughs) without much success but he looks cute anyways (laughs) probably the most priceless gift of all that's right um for this week's geeky corner uh this is a tool that i use regularly i use it on a daily basis really um with my job but as i got to thinking about it this week susie and i don't really do new year's resolutions um Mm -mm. just because you know if you're gonna change then just change why do you need the new year to do it um especially it should be a continual process kind of of Mm -hmm. growth and reflection and blah 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 well and i think new year's resolutions are more I think they've almost become kind of a, what's that called when something, they, they've become kind of ironic yeah. in a way, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, you're going to break this, so I'll make it a New Year's resolution because who really cares about those yeah. sort of thing. Um, so one of my things that I'm wanting to become better at, not just because it's the New Year, but just because I need to be better at it, is tracking how much time I spend on things. Um and this is true in my job, but also uh, personally. But in order uh, to do it in my job, I use a program called, or a website, but it also has a program called Toggle, which is spelled without the E. So it's T-O-G-G-L, uh, toggle.com. Uh, and it's a very simple time tracking system. Uh, you enter in the project that you're working on. There's a start button and a stop button. The neat thing is that they have a program for your computer. They have one for your smartphone. um, And those all interact with the website. So if you need something to keep track of time at work or even just, you know, personally, if you want to know where you're spending uh, your days, this is a great program, a great website. It's free to use. They do have a paid version uh, that you can use to add uh, billable hours and a few different features, but I've been using it for uh, several months, I would say almost a year, um, and I've, I haven't paid for uh, the 
the the pro features yet. Um, so I would check that out. Uh, very easy to use and uh, a great way to know. They have nice little graphs. Uh, you can tell, they, they call them reports that you can figure out where are you spending all your time. And then you can also narrow it, uh, those reports down by project or by client uh, if you're using it in more of a work setting. Um, and then what I do is for each of my clients, I can print out uh, a, the list of hours that I put into either that past week or the past month, uh, and it shows a nice little graph of how many hours that you've done and the projects that you worked on, which then you can then print out or make a PDF and send it off to your client. Um, or if you're just using it personally, you can just figure out where all your time is going during mm -hmm. your day. And that's some of my clients that I work with, I don't charge them hourly. It's just a contract fee. Um, but I'd like to know how much time I'm spending working on their projects just because sometimes when I work on those projects during the day and I look back at my time report and I haven't put in any time necessarily because mm -hmm. I didn't record it, um, so it almost feels like a waste of a day because I don't have any hours, you know, to show for it, even mm -hmm. though I spent all day working on on various projects. So I'm going to try to uh, track my hours even when uh, it's not an hourly client, just so I can see where I'm spending all of my office time. So there you go. That's Toggle. Toggle.com. T-O-G-G-L.com. That brings us to the topic for this evening, which is the seeds of change. Oh, yes. Tis Isn't the there, season. Who was that band? You wouldn't know. Um, it had that song in the late 80s, early 90s called Winds of Change. They were Russian. I'm going to have to look that up while you're talking. Um, Take me. Starry night. That kind of thing. Um, Never heard it before. You know that your rendition isn't. Uh, my rendition, I'm sure, stinks. Scorpions. But scorpions. Ah, the winds of change. A ballad written by Klaus Mein. Why did I say Russian? Mine? I think because they were German performed rock in Russia. Band. Yeah, but I think they like that was when the wall was coming down mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, and they did a concert. The music video on YouTube is the first hit on Google. Nice. We're going to have to on post that up in the in the show notes. The winds of change. But this is the seeds of change. Um, <laughs> There's nothing to do with the winds of change <laughs> or German bands. But that's how my brain works. Um, the This time of year is kind of a funny time to start thinking about your summer gardens because we're in the, the thick of winter. But you've started to think about the gardens. I have, but not because I want to. And I posted about that today on the blog. Because I really don't want to think about seeds. Because I don't really even need onion seeds. Onion seeds, onions and celery are the first things I start in the spring. I used to start them mid to late January in Ohio. Um, and I started them at that time a little bit later than that last year here, I think. Um, or no, I waited. Did I wait? To, I think I waited to start them until we got back from Columbia, actually. That would have been mid-February or? That would have been late February, um, which is about the right time actually here because the snow doesn't melt off and everything's not ready for planting until um, a lot later than it was kind of in Ohio as far as workable soil, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to wait and start those a little bit later, which means I don't really need to order them 
until sometime in February. But if I wait to that late, then I run the risk of not being able to get some of the varieties of seed that I want. Because last year I ordered my seeds. Um, I can't remember when I ordered my seeds last year. But I remember that some of the varieties that I wanted I couldn't get because they were sold out. So it's one of those things you're forced because I really don't. I mean, I love gardening, but I'm enjoying my break from gardening. And I really don't want to dive into my seed stash, which is kind of a hot mess right now. <laughs> There's a big box sitting right next to yeah. us that. Because uh... I brought it down. I was cleaning up upstairs this afternoon and I brought it down because I know I need to go through it and then figure out what I need and what I don't need for this coming year. So, yeah. Yeah. I really yeah. don't want to do, think about it right now, but I know I have to. So mm -hmm. I'm going to try to keep it super simple this year, I think. Um, that's kind of my goal. Where, just a couple of questions to kind of get your thoughts going. Where do you order your seeds from? Do you order them multiple places? I or? order them from a bunch of different places. And someone asked me, I posted a picture of my uh, Baker Creek catalog that I got. I don't know, last week or the week before on Facebook. And so one of my friends asked which seed catalog I thought was best. And I think it depends on what kind of gardener you are as to where you should be ordering your seeds from. I order from a bunch of different places because I'm often looking for very specific kinds or varieties of each vegetable mm -hmm. and so sometimes it's not that i just want onion seeds it's that i'm looking for this specific time of a type of italian heirloom and sometimes only one place carries that so generally i'll buy that from them but then i'll order some of the other things i want from them too if they have or some other interesting vegetables if they don't have some of the other things that i want but really i order the majority of my seeds i get from i ha i usually put in a big order from baker creek every year or rareseeds.com um because i find they just have a really good variety of a lot of interesting things um i love that they have a lot of heirlooms it's nice too from them that you can get larger packets of seeds on some things like beets if you want to plant a lot of say beets as like a fodder crop or something or you just want a bunch of beets um i also like that they have a large number of seeds per pack which is really nice and then uh they have really good prices and really good shipping as well i think their shipping's like four bucks four or five bucks flat flat rate depending on it doesn't matter how much you order mm -hmm. so that's kind of nice too from them and i've been ordering from them since the beginning i also order from high mowing seeds because they're they have a lot of great seeds and they have um if you want some more some of the newer kind of hybrids they they're a good place to get from i also like them because they grow a lot of their own seed so it's really i've had really good luck with germination rates with their seed and um i know that a lot of their stuff is hardy because they're located in vermont they're actually in a zone higher than we are so I know that a lot of the stuff that they can grow and collect seeds from, I will have no trouble growing here in Maine. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so I like them as well. They're they're kind of a farm supply. So you can get small packs of seeds up through really large packs of seeds. But they have a lot of trials. and I mean, they sell a lot of really great stuff. My favorite lettuce, which is Roxy lettuce, I get from them. And it's just this beautiful lettuce. Their germination rates are fantastic with their seeds. I've always had really good luck. 
Um, so I always make a decent sized order from them too. And they, they might have already, I actually should have looked this up before. Um, they usually have a CSA kind of thing where you Mm -hmm. can buy early, but that may be over at, that may be over already. It might be at the end of the year. I never saw it come through my Facebook, but, um, I usually buy a seed CSA membership from them in December and spend it in the spring or in the, in January or February. I usually get pea seeds and stuff from them where I, cause I'm always planting a ton of peas. So it's better for me to order a big thing of bulk seeds from them. I also really like Johnny's selected seeds, which they're more of a commercial, more geared towards commercial growers, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so their seed catalog's a little less... Um, pretty. <laughs> it's pretty, but it's a little more technical, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a lot of information in there. That maybe if you're not kind of wanting or interested in gardening or growing on a large scale or interested in that much information you might find. And it's just got so many varieties that Mm -hmm. can be a little overwhelming. Um, So they're more for like farms you're saying rather than the home gardener. Yes. And they sell small packs of seeds, but there's just a lot there. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's easy to become overwhelmed by all the stuff that they have, I think. Um. But yeah, I like to buy from them too. And they're right up the road from us. The farm is where they grow some of the seed. So I also order occasionally from, um, I get, I actually get seeds every year from Renee's garden and I like Renee's garden because she's great as far as small mm-hmm. home gardeners go. If you don't have a giant garden, you're really well off buying seeds from Renee's because you can get multiple different kinds of varieties in one seed packet. I think I've talked about this before. Um, And her packs are just smaller. So you can use up your packs of seeds and get rid of them. Mm. And you don't have to have a bunch of seeds. You don't have to organize your seeds, keep them around. It's really great if you just have a really small garden and want to grow a few things. And her stuff is tested for the home gardener. So her her place is really great too. And I always get a bunch of stuff from her because she has some really interesting stuff and lots of herbs and some pretty flowers. well, like you said, she does a lot of like variety packs too. So, yeah. uh, it'll be one vegetable or one sort of. It'll be of, three different colors of zucchini in yeah. one packet, that kind of thing. Um, and her collections are really good too. I love her. I get a lot of my, um, herb seeds from her because mm-hmm. she has some really interesting kinds of herbs. Um, she has wasabi arugula, which is really, really good. It's a really piquant, peppery, um, arugula. She also has different kind, you know, different kinds of chives, different kinds of basil. Um, I like getting. She has some really interesting things, uh, which you can't find just everywhere. And then, as far as if you're really into herbs, I love Richter's from Canada, and they have. It's ridiculous. I mean, I think they have like 35 different kinds of thyme that you can order in their catalog. If you're into herbs in particular, that's the place to go because if they don't have it, you're probably not going to be able to find it anywhere. And I like to collect different kinds of thyme and incorporate new um, herbs every year into the garden. So I always end up ordering a few things from them. Those pears are really good. Yeah, you're still chewing on the pears. Yeah, snacking on them. So how do you know what 
how many you're going to order? Like, how do you know how many seeds you need to order in general? Do you need to figure out how, where you're going to plant and how much space you're going to plant in and then? I would highly recommend like, what's it. what's the process? I think it depends on how seasoned you are as a gardener. I think if you've been gardening for a long time, you kind of have an idea of how much you're going to need and what you want to grow, that kind of thing. If you if you haven't gardened for a long time, you you definitely should sit down and come out with come up with a layout and figure out where you want to plant what in your garden so you don't end up with tons of seeds and not enough space to plant everything. Mm-hmm. Um and as far as planning it out, I would recommend staying like keeping it simple and trying to do fewer varieties maybe more of each one instead of a bunch of different little plots of this that and everything because that's just a lot to manage and you have to have more seeds and then more seeds starting and more um it's just a lot that's one thing i've been doing more as i garden longer is paring down on the variety of things that i grow and trying to um, particularly if I don't think I'm going to have a lot of time for some things, um, I'd rather plant fewer varieties of vegetable or plant bigger patches of each instead of a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. And then it's easier to manage. Um, so, But trying new yeah. things is fun too. Yeah, trying new things is great. And I love doing that. And I always do that. And I would encourage people to try something new every year. Because it is... It's amazing and ridiculous and kind of overwhelming how many... I mean, you walk into the grocery store and there's one variety of everything. And probably if you go to every grocery store in town, they will have that one variety of tomato or that one variety of carrot. And you look in these seed catalogs and there's, you know, 30 different kinds of carrots. Right. And they come in every color in the rainbow. Yeah. And they all taste a little bit different. And it's just amazing. And they amazing. all have different textures. And they yeah. offer different... Some will keep longer in the ground. Some are better cooking. Some are better for eating raw. That kind of thing. And that's really the beauty of yeah. growing your own is you can grow tailored to what you want to do with that particular vegetable. <clears throat> One of the things I really want to focus on this year is I read this book, um, Eating on the Wild Side. She talks in there about growing the healthiest vegetables, so the most nutrient dense. So often it's the uh <coughs> excuse me, my throat's getting dry. Take um, a drink. Take a drink. She talks in there about choosing the most the vegetables with the most nutrient density. So like mm-hmm. a red lettuce is gonna be a lot healthier because it has a lot more antioxidants and vitamins and minerals than a green lettuce. Of course it has a little bit more bitterness too. Red onions, same thing. I think that's really interesting when I read that and I thought, well if I'm growing it myself, I'm growing it to be healthier anyway. So it's a good idea to choose some of these. And I always have grown a really wide variety of colors in the garden just because it's pretty. Um but she also, in her book, talks about list specific varieties because in some, like in some types of red lettuce, some among them are even healthier than others. So I think that's really interesting. I'm going to leaf through that book before I put in my seed order mm-hmm. and maybe try to incorporate um, a few of the varieties that she recommends in with the normal favorites that I've kind of developed over time. 
So yeah, and that's I mean that's one reason I recommend trying something new too. Is sometimes sometimes you find a new, even if you have a tried and true variety, you always grow this kind of you know blue lake beans or something like that. It's worthwhile to try maybe some emerite instead because you might decide you like them better you know mm-hmm. if you always grow on the same thing you don't know or this new a new variety might do actually do be more productive and do better in your climate mm-hmm. so i mean that's the beauty of trying something new is sometimes you discover something better sometimes you just get something prettier sometimes it's not very good at all so this last year i love celery and i love growing celery and i always grow tons of celery and i eat some of it i never eat all of it but I always plant a little bit more than I need because it's a pretty plant and I just like it a lot and I like having it if I need it. Mm-hmm. I always have these grand intentions of digging up some of the plants and putting them in the root cellar and then we get an early freeze and we're slaughtering pigs at the same time <laughs> and it just never comes to fruition. Right. But eventually, some year, I'm hoping that might actually happen and I'll actually have the plants to do it with. But I always grow tons of celery and this year I grew... The old standard, which is always um, Amsterdam. And then I also grew a red lettuce. Mm. Celery. Is, celery. Oops, yeah, celery, which was really good. And the plants were really pretty. Um, they're a little more fibrous, but they have a lot more nutritional value in them. They have a good celery flavor, which I really liked. I also grew this other variety, not Amsterdam. I was long-standing celery. Amsterdam is like a seasoning celery that I grow in the winter inside. Um, but I also grew this other kind of celery, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. I can't remember. It was crazy. It's like Zawalchkruel or something like that. Mm. It's an old heirloom. And I grew that, and it was a beautiful plant, and I picked some of the leaves. But the leaves, and I'm sure they're super healthy because they're ridiculously bitter. Mm-hmm. And I like bitter vegetables. But these were really bitter. (laughs) And I wouldn't mind eating them so much. But the flavor was so overpowering that Mm. I knew not many other people would appreciate eating these. And you would need, it would actually be a really great seasoning celery because you could just use one or two leaves in a dish instead of a whole Mm -hmm. kind of a head of celery. So they would be really great for that. And that might be kind of where what they were used for so you don't have to grow a bunch of celery plants you can just grow that and pick a couple leaves mm-hmm. as seasoning so i don't know but i probably won't be growing those again because celery I, i'd rather use my space to grow the kind of celery that i want to be eating mm-hmm. so you know try something new i tried the red celery and i loved it so i'll keep growing that so, I mean, that's one of the reasons you try new and interesting things, because sometimes you find things you love and sometimes you find things you don't love. Mm-hmm. But it's always fun. And it's always cheap. It cost me like two fifty to try these celery seeds. And they won't go to waste because I'll sprout them and feed the sprouts to the chickens. Mm-hmm. Is it better to buy, when you're ordering seeds, is it better to try to get the exact number that you need? So that because I know that germination rates go down year over year, and I know some seeds are better at keeping than others. But would you advise trying to buy 
what you need so that you can plant them and be done with them? Because then you don't have to worry about organization for next year. Or is there is it kind of like whatever you feel like doing? Because I know uh, that you just have a ton, right. a ton of seeds. And I think it depends on whatever you feel like doing because it can be overwhelming to manage a seed collection. Most, I mean, your average seed is going to be viable for three to five years if you keep it in the right conditions. Uh, some seed isn't, um, you know, beans and peas and those kinds of seeds in particular don't do not do quite as well being stored. Onions, anything in the allium family, there's no point in saving any of those seeds because your germination rates just tank the next mm-hmm. year. It's just worth the extra couple dollars to buy fresh seed every year for those um, to not deal with the frustration. Um, that's definitely one thing I do now. I used to try to keep them and German, you know, go ahead and plant them next year. And it's just really not worth it. The lower germination rates just make it kind of ridiculous and they take a lot longer to germinate as well. So some things buying fresh seed every year pays. And I think that's one of those things you kind of learn, um, through trial and error, maybe. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a personal preference. Sometimes I would like to just buy and plant everything in one fell swoop and not have seeds. But I also like having, I like trying new things. So I end up with lots of seed packets. And last year I was ruthless at going through and getting rid of things I knew I didn't like and I wasn't going to grow again. And I got rid of a lot of old seed. And sometimes it can be hard if you want to grow a couple different kinds of broccoli. You have to order three different packs of seeds. Mm-hmm. Um and then you end up with a bunch of extra seed, and those will be viable for five years or so. The germination rates do go down. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to only keep brass, brassica seeds for two or three years because the they and I find the seedlings just aren't quite as strong. Um, they don't withstand diseases and dampening off, and just they're not as hardy mm-hmm. as fresh seed seedlings are. So. I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those things. I used to collect a ton, but the longer I garden, the less I do. And the more I get rid of stuff earlier and I'm ruthless about getting rid of seed for things that I just didn't like and don't really want to grow again and didn't have a lot of good luck with. Because sometimes if I try to grow things two years and it just doesn't work out well, I just need to get rid of the seed because it's not going to work out well. Mm -hmm. Most likely I need to try a new variety or just abandon that vegetable and go on to something else. You know, there are some things that just... For some, you just don't want to deal with the hassle of trying to grow it. Something mm. like, uh, I'd love to grow fennel. It would be great, like the bulbing kind of fennel that you eat. The problem is this fennel can be really picky about heat in the middle of the summer. And it has a tendency to bolt. So if you don't have the exact right conditions with the rich soil and a little bit of afternoon shade and a lot of water, it can be difficult to grow bulbing fennel. And I had some that was looking really good last year, and then we had this hot snap. <laughs> yeah. And then it all bolted, unfortunately. So that's one of those things that is probably easier for me to just buy at the farmer's market and not have to deal with that and grow something that I can that I know I can grow with great success. So I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things. I think it depends on the gardener mm-hmm. whether or not you save seed, you know, because like all my fennel seeds I'll probably get rid of. Um, and when I go through my seed stash mm-hmm. this spring, because I've tried it a couple of years and in Ohio, I was never going to get fennel. And now that I'm a better gardener, <laughs> I know that I never would have gotten fennel there just because of the soil and the, the 
just the way our garden was there. It was never happening. I do have a, I could probably do it here, but I just don't want to deal with trying to do it here, mm -hmm. I don't think. So, so, I don't know. It's tough. One of the things that you recommend that you can do with extra seeds is to find a, a seed buddy. Yes, that's great. If you can find someone, especially a friend locally that you can split seed packets with, that mm -hmm. would be great because um, then it clearly it costs you half the amount. But you just have to find someone who has the same kind of gardening wants and desires mm -hmm. as you do. So, yeah. And you could even each start different seeds. I mean, that'd be a great way to do it if you had a friend. You could, you know, you could do all the onions and then they could do all of the, um, I don't know, the peppers and the tomatoes or something like that, which is a great way to do it. That would stress me out knowing that I was relying on someone else to do all of that. But, you know, I mean, that would be great if you didn't have a ton of time or a ton of space as far as grow lights, um, that kind of stuff. That'd be a great way to do it. And then you're only putting in, you're only having to do half of the stuff in that you get everything. So that'd be a really great way to do it if you could find someone, I think. And then kind of the <laughs> final piece of advice is to organize. To keep your seeds And organized. that's key if you and want that's... to have a bunch of seeds. If you're mm -hmm. not the kind of gardener that just orders a couple, plants them all, and has a clean slate, which I find actually kind of, that would be really nice. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I should think try that, that one I should try that one year. Um, if you're not that kind of gardener, then you're going to end up with all of this, these boxes of seeds. And I had mine pretty well organized, and then I ended up needing to grow into an additional space. When we moved here, I got, I have a big garden out back, and so I was getting larger quantities of certain varieties of seeds like peas, um, beets, cucumbers, that kind of thing. So I got larger packs of seeds, which didn't really fit in my seed organization system. You know, and then you get cover crop seeds, et cetera, et cetera, and it becomes kind of outgrows your shoebox or whatever you have it in but i would say definitely organization is the key to especially when you because you need to be able to find the seed that you want when you need it and you need to know what you have at planting time so you don't end up forgetting seed that you have or misplacing seed and not getting something planted at the right time mm -hmm. i mean it really depends on how you want to organize it it's kind of a personal preference thing i do mine by type because I have a tendency to grow sometimes a wide variety of things. So say I have a folder for um, squash. I'll have a couple different kinds of zucchini in there. Um, three or four probably. And then I'll have three or four or five different kinds of winter squash in there. Um so that's how I organize mine. And I pretty much know that all the squashes need planted at a certain time. Mm -hmm. And then I also have different folders. So I have greens, but I have three different folders for greens. So I have greens and then I have spring, greens, summer, and then greens, fall. And that's kind of how I organize mine because that's how I plant. Mm -hmm. So I know, and I have like brassicas. So I have a spring brassicas and a fall brassicas because I have different varieties that I plant at the different times and different ones that do better at different times. So that's how I break mine down because I plant a lot more, I think, throughout the year and throughout the whole gardening year as opposed to many or other, some other gardeners do. And that's what works for me. That's how kind of how my mind 
works best as far as organizing. I talked to someone and she organized her, organizes hers in folders. So she has one of those big like file folder kind of plasticky boxes mm-hmm. things. Like the accordion? I think something like that um, or one that you can put a, like one of the little oh. ones with the handle that you can put, you know, like yeah. 12 or 15 file folders in. That and the she, folders kind of hang on the yeah. edges. She does hers, although one of those accordion things would be good. She does hers by planting time. Mm. So she has, you know, January, February, March, and then she puts all the seed packets in each of those times when she wants to plant them. Yeah. So when January comes or, you know, March or whenever she's going to start, she reaches in there and just pulls out everything she needs to plant that month, mm-hmm. which is kind of a good way to do it, I think. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah. And that works for her. So I kind of like that way as well. Um, I don't know. Just, I'm, I think finding a way that organizes them is key because we talked a little bit about it's just you know you don't want to waste your time looking through all your seeds all the time trying to find what you want Mm -hmm. and you know i have mine organized because i know since i plant different kinds of seeds at different times of the year i know and i've been doing it long enough that i just need to grab x y and z folder at the beginning of march and start my seeds of those Mm -hmm. and then often i'll move my folders kind of to the back of the back of the metal box that I keep them in. Um, you don't keep the ones up front that I'm going to be planting next. And mm-hmm. that just kind of works for me. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you have to find some sort of organizational system that works for you. Otherwise, it'll just be mass chaos. And you'll have a big box of seeds that you don't know what's in there. And sometimes mine, my summer kind of gets like that when I'm planting seeds outside. Often I'm pulling a ton of seeds out taking them out when I come back in a lot of times I just throw them in a box and then um once seed time come like seed organization time comes around I look through all the packets and decide which ones I'm going to keep and then I put them in folders or throw them away or you know do whatever needs done with them at that point in time it reminds me of uh watching uh that show with Monty Don which I believe you're oh, yeah. going to talk about the book tonight cuz wasn't that yeah. the uh, fork to yes. fork show yeah and he was talking about planting time and how he and his wife go in and lay out all the packets on the table to figure out what they want to plant yep. yeah yeah <laughs> so he had a lot of packets and they kind of organize it all there mm-hmm. on the table in one evening which is kind of a good way to do it i think yeah um yeah so that's uh that's some tips on on seeds and getting started in seeds yeah um, but now is and the time I, to order well, them. Yeah, and I want to read this quote because this is vital. And the longer I garden, the more, Yikes. the more I um, see the value in keeping it simple as far mm-hmm. as seeds are concerned. Um, and I love this quote. That's a big book. <clears throat> this is a nice book. This is Tender from Nigel Slater, and he says, Seed catalogs. Seed catalogs have become an annual source of inspiration, information, and temptation. Winter afternoons are often spent thumbing through seed pamphlets and trawling internet sites before putting in my order for violet-colored beans and firecracker red chilies. It is almost impossible not to get carried away. You could do worse than follow my habit of writing out your wants list in the afternoon than taking a red pencil to it the next day. A night's sleep can often induce a reality check. (laughs) And there was another, I can't remember who it is, and it may be Monty Dunn, I don't remember. But uh, 
in that book, they talked about how they would often write out a list and then they would cross off half of them and then cross off half of the ones left mm-hmm. over a couple of days. And then they would order only 25% of the seeds that were in their original list. And they found that they still had seeds left over. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that can be one of those things. It can be difficult to not get carried away. But in the same regard, that's part of the fun of it. And it's not. And it's usually pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. But definitely a little bit of planning ahead of time can really help. Because you don't want to end up with a bunch of stuff you don't have space for. So mm-hmm. definitely laying out your space and deciding how much you want to give to each thing mm-hmm. really helps. And you did that last year with the mm-hmm. garden out back here, came up with kind of a master plan of what you wanted to plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, ordered a few of those obviously, but you had many of them and then, and then planted them. But then that also helps too. That master plan comes in handy. If you're doing 10 different varieties of, you know, right. zucchini, uh, because yeah. then, you know, if you do follow the master plan, when you plant, you'll know, what varieties are in each of those sections of your garden. Um, right. So it helps on the yeah, it just on the front with, and on the back end. Helps with organization. I always yep. try to overestimate how much space I'm going to give everything in your plan because it always seems like you never, you always underestimate your plan and you never have as much space in your garden as you think you're going to have. <laughs> it's one of those weird things. So I always try to overestimate how much, how much space each garden is or each vegetable is going to take up mm-hmm. and then generally i find that i come out just about right even though i think i'm overestimating and i should have extra space i rarely do so yeah always definitely overestimate yep so are any of these books that you have laying over here are these going to be books of the week yeah i think so i think and these are all books that are kind of um about food gardening in general Mm -hmm. um ones that i would recommend and the first one i would recommend as far as an all-around how to you've never grown vegetables before or you'd like to learn how um or you want a good primer maybe you just learned things here and there and you'd like a good uh, resource to have around or an interesting take on growing vegetables i would recommend charles dowding's vegetable course and this is really a phenomenal book I really like this book. He talks a lot about everything, absolutely everything, but it's not your normal, I can have a pet peeve with gardening books in that you buy a gardening book and the first three chapters are always the same exact thing in every, in every single gardening yeah, book. I don't and that like drives, that about technical books That either. drives me kind of crazy because I think I just lost three chapters of this book. I would love yeah. it. If there could be gardening books more for, you could have beginner ones and then you could have a disclaimer. Hey, if you're a new gardener, go read this book before you continue. But he has a lot of that in here, but it seems like it's not as patronizing as Mm -hmm. it can be. And American, some other, I mean, not just American, because even some British gardening books are like that. But I think part of it is because he does everything in his own way. (laughs) so a lot of it is new particularly Mm -hmm. to american gardeners and to gardeners who aren't used to the no-till no-dig kind of a gardening uh method so that's one thing that's really interesting about his methodology and this book i really really like this book and it comes with 
a section or like a little section for each different vegetable which i kind of like and as far as growing in the spring and summer and fall too and everything so he doesn't assume if you're a new to gardening you're not going to be wanting to start um asparagus from seed which i kind of mm-hmm. like so he encourages bold <laughs> boldness as far as gardening <laughs> is concerned and just all kinds of interesting things you know bulbing fennel and um sweet corn and just all kinds of interesting things i like this book a lot <coughs> and then i also recommend the creative vegetable garden creative vegetable gardening by joy larkham and this is the prettiest gardening book if you love edible gardening and you want your garden maybe to not have that normal which i think normal road vegetable gardens are really pretty mm-hmm. in their own way but if you were Maybe live in an urban environment and want your garden to maybe look a little prettier, be more, um, you know, creative or ornamental. Mm-hmm. That's a phenomenal book. And even if you don't, it's also a good resource to have as far as lots of information about gardening, um, particularly different kinds of plants and flowers to incorporate in your vegetable garden. So, And then I also have Fork to Fork, which is a good, it's kind of a, vegetable how-to but with stories kind of thrown in mm-hmm. um which i really like and the pictures are really nice yeah, it's a british it's a monty don book so and it's all about his vegetable garden and he has some recipes in here too which is kind of neat and it talks about not just vegetables but growing soft fruits and stuff too mm-hmm. and there's a tv series that kind of goes along with it which you can find on youtube if you want you yep, just search to fork to fork on mm-hmm. youtube um, so one final, just to wrap it all up, a, a, a newbie question. Um, what if you don't currently receive seed catalogs? Do you just go to the company's websites? Usually you can, yeah. And sign up to get them? hmm And then they send them to you? Yep. Then you can make your little Christmas list. Yep. And check it twice. Exactly. All right. Well, or you can just go to their website and you don't need a catalog. I yeah. find the catalogs easier for me as far as the way I think and shop. You know, I'm a very kind of tactile person. So mm-hmm. I like looking through the seed catalogs. I probably buy more when I look through a seed catalog as opposed to just going to a website and, mm-hmm. you know, making a list of the 15 things that I need and then going to a website and picking up the 15 things I need and checking mm. out. So, Yeah, usually there's a lot of, ooh, this sounds interesting going on as you're looking through the seed catalogs. Yeah. And, and I always try interesting things. And, like I bought seeds yep. to a pink banana once to try to grow. None of my seeds germinated, which I read they were hard to germinate. So I'll probably order another pack this year and try it again. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. It's well, fun. I encourage it. Buy some seeds. Definitely. Start some seeds and start a garden. Hopefully do it with someone else because that's fun. (laughs) Or your kids. (laughs) But do it now. Go out and get your seed catalogs and order those seeds. But keep it simple. Seeds of change. I'd rather be a farmer. I'd rather work the land. I'd rather see the mountainside. I'd rather see your hand 
I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking now Somehow it all depends If I could fly See my hometown. I'd rather hold my wife. I'd rather never question things. That's the story of my life. I'd rather not be crying. I'd rather just be whole. Rather brave the cleansing fire I'd rather feed my soul If I could I'm crying out to you I'm ready to be finished here I'm ready for this season If I could fly away from me To ride this wind above the trees And go to Come and face the longing.